Oh, goodness. Good timing. Let's get all those stretches, sneezes, and yawns out. It's terrible timing. <laughs> oh, goodness. Nathan, take us in. Okay. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. I am your... What? Is that too hot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is? Way too hot. Every time I feel like you... You're like, okay, I'm talking normally, here's my audio, and then when we say Nathan Roland, you lean in and also start talking louder. I am like, still sir. four inches away from my mic, sir. <laughs> Basically screaming. I have not <laughs> Basically screaming. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your host... Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. I am one of your hosts, Nathan Nowak, along with Patrick Armstrong and KJ Rolke. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 How are you guys doing this fine recording night? Uh, good. Today was a real Monday. Uh, I had Friday off in observance of Veterans Day, and uh, the three-day weekend really did me in. Sunday night, I was like, wait a minute, how do I do my job? What am I supposed to do? So, (laughs) yeah, Um, but but it's been good. Uh, Sarah is fun employed in between jobs. Not really fun employed, just in between jobs, and so she's been excited and chill and all that stuff, and yeah, it's been real chill, real good in the Rocky home. I was like, what is fun employed? But I get it now. Fun there you go. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it, but it feels I'm like under, deeply millennial. Like, I feel like fun employed was a term I heard a lot in like the late teens, you know? So it's like a five year old thing at this point. Makes hmm. sense. Hey, it's new to me. You were in your late teens five years ago? Oh, in the late teens in the late of two thousands. Yes. <laughs> okay. The I'm late twenty tens. I'm gonna get up today. It's My bad. Fun. We, spoiler alert, we're drinking coffee later, so maybe that will help for after the recording. <laughs> yeah. When you need to maybe chill we, out again. Maybe we should do it now. Maybe we should do it during the show. No, mine's still cooling down. Actually, I don't even like cold coffee, so it's going to be experience for all of us. Okay. Well, I know you like black coffee, so that's, you know. It is an Americano, I made spoiler sure alert. It was not, yeah, I made sure it wasn't cream-based. So, But uh, what about you, Patrick? How's, how's the old uh, Indiana... Stuff's happening. Stuff is happening. It today well, we, was a day. Today well, we was you, a day. We saw you had a baby shower, so that that's cool. It, but yeah, uh, it was a few weeks ago. And then, did you travel? Nope. Nope. No traveling. <laughs> just just being. I go to Boston in two weeks from when this episode comes out for a day for an event, and then that's it. Right. I guess we're gonna go to New York for a little like. Baby moon situation baby moon. mid-December. So uh, that should be fun. Nothing I says baby moon than walking the streets of New York. So is that what that says? <laughs> no. <I'm> just... <laughs> I have heard that's the ideal time to go though. I'm like, hey, my wife is incredibly pregnant and walking's probably gonna be uncomfortable. Where can we go that has a lot of walking? <laughs> yeah, right. It's either New York or San Francisco. You know, like walking plus hills. I'm just gonna put her in a stroller and then push her around. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally normal. <laughs> we're going to like midweek. So hopefully it's not like super busy, but we're just going to do a bunch of tourist stuff and just <laughs> essentially just get one more in before we travel no more. So nice. nice. Forever. Forever. Well, before we get too far, uh, 
Patrick. What is John Chi? Why are you we doing John Chi show? <laughs> Patrick. Just forget what my name was. You know, I, I didn't um, know if I was going to throw it to you or KJ. So. You were just getting right up on that mic. Just getting I, I still? real peaky in my ears. Um, <laughs> Light distortion. John Chi means is a Korean word for feast or banquet. And we call ourselves a John Chi show because on this show we celebrate our shared identities as Korean adoptees. And we talk about the adoptee experience and more recently the broader Asian adoptee experience. And we do some feasting at the end of each episode with a snack purchased by Nathan and sent to all of us. And... I think that's about it. That's generally the gist of the show. Sometimes we have people on, sometimes sometimes we don't have people on. Um, but for the most part, we just sit around and talk and share our stories. It's a real great time. And and I, I'm still really in awe that we've passed 150 episodes. This is um, 151. Think, yeah, I'm. That's. Uh, I mean, good job, guys. We did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Virtual high five, yeah. So, just, I was everybody gets palmed too. in the face. Just <laughs> here you go. It's incredibly violent. <laughs> Speaking of uh, doing a lot of podcasting, Nathan, you recently were on a panel with Adoption Mosaic, talking about being the host of an adoptee podcast. Um, yes. Yeah. How'd it go? Yeah. Share among, a little bit about among, that experience. Among other very talented. Uh, yeah, adoptee voices out there. Yeah, it was it was a good time. We, um, I was honored to be on there and just uh, chatting about my experience and just my journey over the last three years of being on this podcast and and the other things that I have branched off to do. Um, that you know, kind of the exploration of into adoption and my history has you know led me to do other things and stuff. So it was it was nice and. Uh, uh, you you can actually you can actually purchase it, but um, for then anyone who was there, thank you. And I did get a couple people message me afterwards, so um, that was nice. I did mention you guys, but I didn't mention you until like like more than halfway was, through. That was my next question: was how much did you talk about us? <laughs> so. I almost forgot. How much did you well, talk about conversation piece? Yeah, how much did you yeah. talk about my other podcast? <laughs> exactly. And sorry, everything that I've sorry. Got There's, going on. There was no space for that one, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no wow. it was it was great um we had a lot of uh, a lot of people a lot of participation a lot of questions and um yeah and I, I learned a few things that uh that i'm still kind of uh unpacking and trying to to um think about in in realms of adjacent you know experiences to ours um because there was uh, a lot of domestic adoptees as well that i think and um mothers and parents and and also first moms which um was a it was a term that i had actually not heard of um you know as the as a mother who has put up their child for adoption so uh, so that was uh you know i was learning listening kind of uh it was great to to be involved in that community so Right on. I really like what Adoption Mosaic is up to. Uh, did you say that that was available for purchase? I assume on their website, Adoption Mosaic. Yeah. So the if you couldn't make the yeah if you couldn't make the panel, you can purchase it afterwards. Um, I'm not sure if they said that it was going to be on just their website or on YouTube, um, but uh, I know you can purchase it for listening uh, afterwards. So right on. 
yeah, so go support Nathan, support us spiritually, support Adoption Mosaic by by checking that out. Um, <laughs> it's really, really funny to me that you're like, yeah, it was great to be a speaker where I just mostly got to sit and listen. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I had like, my yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like, mean, one yeah, of the it was, questions. It was great to be able to just listen and not not talk so much. <laughs> it was. I mean, I had to, among, you know, three other uh, adoptee podcasters, I had to, you know, have my five minutes per question. Uh, one of the mm. questions I thought was really interesting, which was, I, I talked about it from my experience, but also kind of of the experience of us, all of us in general of the podcast, but it was how is the evolution of our podcasts gone from the first episodes of where we were to more, the more recent ones. And was your answer, think, we didn't know what we were doing, and now we still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> now we're more comfortable we, not knowing know what a little we're doing. Bit yeah. less, now exactly. Now we're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I said, yeah, now I think we have more language, which we've talked about in episodes before, which I think is true. We may still be, you know, you know going through it with uh, – at the seat of our pants at times, but I think uh, I think the language that we have and the the knowledge of what we want to talk about is is better, and uh, and it's more. There's she, uh, Astrid also said that uh, she really appreciated the way that we the the nuance of our conversations were kind of more in depth and stuff as well. So I think that is definitely true as well. We're not just kind of sitting there, you know, listening. We actually are, I think are engaging more. So unless we just sit there and listen. Unless, unless, we, listen, unless listen. we listen, depending on the guest, I guess. Yeah. Unless we yeah, don't true. engage, you know. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's funny. Uh, great you, co- podcasting content is just yeah. non-engagement from those. <laughs> like, hello, welcome to my show. I'm going to listen now. Um, oh my god! <laughs> Megan, you you mentioned that there were domestic adoptees on the panel, and that uh, reminded me. I, I went to lunch recently with my parents, and I feel like. Now, every, I don't know, like every so often, maybe every eighth conversation, my mom will drop in like, oh, yeah, your aunt or someone is adopted or like my, you know, whatever. I'm like, what? Why is there so much adoption in my family? Like, but a lot of it is domestic. Um, And it was just like, man, I'm, I'm really interested, like hearing, we were talking about, um, my dad brought up when I went back to Korea and finding out that I had uh, a sibling in my paperwork and, you know, how I reacted to that. Do I think about that now? And he was like, do you, yeah, do you think about that now? And then my mom was like, yeah, so with your aunts who are adopted, this was what they, their relationship to birth search was like, et cetera, et cetera. And it just made me really, it was just so interesting to me to get into that conversation from a, I mean, from a familial point of view, just because it is my family, but also I think from a domestic adoption point of view. And it's something that I am not yet ready to engage in but i'm like getting closer i'm like all right i think my i think my brain can handle this level up you know um but that that kind of brings us to what i wanted to talk about or or open the conversation floor for today which is what are in the last you know 150 episodes we've been doing the show obviously our identities have been pretty drastically altered maybe not drastically but significantly altered in how we think about ourselves, how we think about the world and those kinds of things, especially through the lenses of being adoptees and then being Asians and men and and all the things, all the intersections. But while we focus most of our time on the show talking about that adoptee identity and that that Asian identity, are there parts of your life 
uh, like for me, especially on this podcast, I think Christianity has been really wrapped up in um, this kind of broad identity intersection. What's uh, what are things that you have found yourself re-engaging with or engaging with differently? Not necessarily related to being an adoptee, but certainly because of this new understanding that you have of yourself. Yeah, I think for me, it's been, I was just talking to Emily about this today, but it's been the community, I guess, that I try to build for myself. And that doesn't necessarily just mean like other adoptees, but just like the people who I want to seek out and like become friends with and build friendships and relationships with, you know, and, um, I said this, but I was like, you know, I am, I would be totally okay. If like, I didn't have any more, make any new white friends. Like, yes. That's what, let me, let me, <laughs> that's what like, I say all the time is like, yeah. no more white friends. I'm, I'm, at, like, I like I've the ones that I got, but <laughs> I'm like, that's all for a long time. It's all I knew. And so it's like, I'm ready now or on this journey over the last three years, like that's been, I think one big shift is like trying to be intentional about who I'm surrounding myself with, who I want to spend time with outside of whatever it is. And honestly, something I could do better at, uh, is like just do friend stuff, like go out to dinner <laughs> generally and, just, like, do, and then not like it be tied to work or like the podcast or something right. like that. You know what I mean? Um, something I don't think I was even really thinking about until we were talking about it today. So shout out my wife for helping me think about stuff a little bit differently and get gain new perspective on myself. But I feel like it's really community that it's wrapped up in. It's just like how I engage with community and thinking about, and especially as I be approach parenthood, like what kind of community do I want my kid to be around and grow, grow up in and, and have access to. So, yeah, I think that's what I've been thinking about a lot recently too. I was also going to say communities, but I will not nope, piggyback use a on different top of that. <laughs> Pick something is it, different. No, is kidding. it community in the same way, though? It's it's a little different. I mean, my community is is. Um, I mean, it, I had a I had a you know kind of a diverse community of friends in California, and you know a lot of them were work based. So there was there was you know photography or DVD production my old company and things like that. So I definitely had some diverse, more Asian, you know, friends specifically in California. So I had that portion of it, but I didn't have a whole lot of adoptee friends. It wasn't until the podcast that I think that adoptee community really kind of uh, started to integrate with, uh, with, with myself and all of the, uh, the time that I have that I wanted to explore the, the groups that I wanted to hang out with. And of course, you know, seeing you guys more often the con, you know, committees and things like that. So, uh, that part of the committee or the community for me was, was, yeah, it was more of the adoptee community specific. Um, and then of course being just more aware. So that is what I would say is my second part is being aware of the adoptee community or just being aware of, of the, like you were saying, domestic adoptees, um, being aware of that, um, that there are organizations, films, the, vi I mean, this is actually what Khan's, uh, theme is for next year is visibility you know, and, and so that's, you know, the, the, uh, um, the part of that, that I, I never really was looking at or looking for. And then all of a sudden I see it more often now. And I don't know if that's because it's just like my eyes are open to it and, and I'm more accepting of it than I was, you know, eight years ago. Um, 
but uh, but I definitely appreciate that because I I find so much um, I guess so much out of it for myself. It's like someone said last year at Con that you know Con was like the community that they never knew they needed, and that's kind of what I feel about like this adoption um, or the adoptee community that I've been integrated with now is that it's something that I didn't know I needed because I had an Asian friend base already. Um, but it's a different type of, of community for me now. So, um, so that's why I, I really appreciate that part of it. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> you guys are like, <laughs> I thought AJ was going to jump in and then the pause just continued. So I was just going to wait. <laughs> well, I, I didn't really have anything to respond with. <laughs> I decided to mess with my microphone settings like an idiot. And then you were done talking and I was like, I've made a, I've made a, a bad choice. Bad timing. I was like, it was like when somebody asks a question and then there's a dropout on the phone and you're like, did I say something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. I mean, I, I definitely, uh, I think in similar veins to both of you find myself, I mean, I've said for a long time, like no more white friends. <laughs> I've hit my quota, but uh, I think I, I have been more aware of different communities and um, Nathan, to your point, um, just the point, the idea of like, what it means to to see, to notice, uh, and to make feel seen and heard different marginalized communities that I mm. am a part of, you know. Um, and I, it, it was interesting. Like, I, my sister in law had like a celebration of home ownership. It was like a housewarming party, but like a year too late, basically. So celebration of home ownership, and and had some friends over, and so we were over there, and uh, and we got to meet um or i got to meet one of her very old friends who is pakistani and is married to a white guy and so we got to talking about what it looks like to blend cultures um and to like she wants to raise her kid as uh, a muslim and her like in her particular um tradition and experience of that that's important to her meanwhile her partner um is like still working out how he feels around uh religion but has come out of the christian tradition and is like yeah that's not for me so like i think wrestling then with um with those kinds of things and so she's like well how do i deal with like you know i want my kid to observe like the high holidays and like maybe experience daily prayers but also be respectful of my husband who has different feelings of those kinds of things you know and it just um for me like she was like oh have you talked to sarah about that i was like i don't i mean sort of but i I think we've talked a lot around race um but we're also trying to figure out how to articulate our thoughts around religion and those things and um yeah so i think in terms of broadly exploring things outside of um adoption but related to this journey that we've been on uh, I think the big thing for me is, am I putting myself in positions to be around a more diverse community? Am I putting myself in doing things uh, in a way that exposes me to new people, gives me the opportunity to make new friends? Because I think it's so easy. I mean, A, Sarah and I are deeply homebodies. Like, There's nothing we love more than just watching a show <laughs> on on our couch and eating dinner on our couch and you know whatever. But um when we meet new people when we think about what we want to do like is it like oh yeah this is uh you know for lack of a better term this is a white people thing uh so realistically i'm just going to meet more white people here uh or like 
partners of white people? Or is like, is there something that we can do that exposes us to a different community, a different crowd, those kinds of things, so that we can potentially meet new people? Uh, I don't know, not that we like go anywhere to meet people. We mostly just go to like the grocery store. But you know what I mean? Uh, just thinking about like, what types of experiences are we picking out? And how does that change how we see the world and who we choose to interact with, you know? Are you meeting new people at the grocery store? No, I don't go to the grocery store. I mostly do grocery pickup. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so he meets the guy that hands that him the bag. Sense. Yeah. Like, hey, like, thanks for the groceries. Yeah. You well, they just say, want to be friends? In the trunk, okay? I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's it. <laughs> that's funny. I do um, have to oh. say that I, I appreciate the um, the community out here that, you know, I, I know uh, I haven't said specifically that I, I don't want any more white friends, but I get where you guys are coming from <laughs> that, that comment. Um, you don't I'm have happy. to say it if you don't feel that way. It's I, okay. I don't, I don't necessarily you, feel that yeah. way. No, There's fine. no pressure on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not anti-white people, okay? We're I know, just exactly. That's what mm-hmm. I understand. That's what I'm just clarifying that that's not what you're saying. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> I've been really happy to meet some other people. Like I said, the community, um, they are white, um, but they are also in um, relationships with either adoptees or they're, um, you know, helping out within the AAPI space. And I really appreciate that because the, um, you know, they're allies at that point. The, the way that, that that they interact with me and ask questions, I just think is is great, and I I love that part of of those types of people when I meet them because you know it's it's just refreshing to know that I I'm I'm not worried that this oh gosh this guy's gonna be racist or something like that for some reason it's like I have felt that way sometimes when I meet you know I I don't want to stereotype but when I meet certain people with a look or certain maybe, people with a look maybe certain people who a drive certain a certain car, kind of car. they drive exactly <laughs> certain exactly. flags in said cars exactly certain so, exhaust in said cars so and I have had a couple recent you know aggressive um interactions from people in cars and I don't know if it's because they were you know looking at my car and just wanting to like intimidate me um, because there are, I know it's, it's a dumb thing. Do you thing drive to say, an intimidatable car? No, but there's a lot of people like a out minivan? there. Are you racing <laughs> folks on the streets? No, I'm not are racing. You, do you live I your life not. one quarter mile at a time? <laughs> and no, I don't have any bumper stickers flipping people off or things like that. Um, <laughs> no, there is a culture of people who dislike tel- Teslas. Uh, oh, oh yeah. There is a I group of people who dislike that and they dislike either Elon Musk or they dislike the idea of being environmentally friendly, I guess. I don't know. But I've had people try to run me off the road and I don't know if it's because I'm Asian, because I'm driving a Tesla or because I did something that I was unaware and I just pissed them off. And so I don't, but it, it really annoys me when that, that happens because I don't, I mean like, so there's again, the situation I'm just driving and this guy started swerving at me like he was trying to hit me. And so I kind of pulled up next to him and just kind of gave him like a what's going on. And he sh- he showed me the finger, the finger gun thing. And he goes like that, pretending to shoot at me with his fingers. Yikes. Damn. Yes. Okay. Backing off. Moving over. I don't want anything to do with that. But why is he doing that? Does he see because I was Asian? Did he see because I'm driving a Tesla? How tinted um, are your windows? Uh, halfway. They're not super tinted. So he can see into your he car. Can see me. His car. Maybe yeah. you should up that tinting, though. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I don't know. I just dislike those types of interactions, and I and I worry about that. So those are the type of people that I was saying I do not want to interact with anymore. But don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bad community. I don't like want to interact about last with week. people who try to run me off the road for any reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to interact with people who threaten to murder me. Uh, yeah, I find I, that less than desirable company. That's true. It's it's, it's I ridiculous. Agree. Oh. And I I worry more and more about those those types of situations um, going into other things of awareness about, you know, just not just being adoptee, but just awareness of being, you know, Asian American is is that they're, you know, the whole AAPI hate and all that stuff that happened over the last three years um, made me more worried about my family and the, the types of things that they may encounter as they grow older. So that's definitely something that I've always considered. So um you know, parenting as an adoptee is definitely a whole another topic of of things to to think about and prepare for. Yeah, I think it's interesting the question, the original question, because at the end of the day, all of it really does tie back to an identity piece of it. Like it's Definitely. almost like it can't be removed. Even when I was trying to think of things like, what am I doing that's outside of or that has little or less to do? with identity i'm like i don't think that there's literally anything like i think it all of it is like even the type of work that i want to like involve myself in or seek out um is just like oh i think i'm doing that because or i know that i'm doing that now because i have a firm grasp on my identity in a way that i never did Mm -hmm. you know like when i was growing up or when i was in the workforce um before and yeah, the way I move out in the world, just like when I'm driving or when I'm walking, like I'm like consciously thinking of it in a way that I never did prior to 2020, you know, prior mm-hmm. to coming to consciousness and starting the show and doing all these things. And even this community aspect of it, like, is rooted in identity, because I wouldn't have I wouldn't be seeking out this type of community or even have that thought of no new white friends. Um, <laughs> if I weren't like, going through this evolutionary process with my own identity. And those, I mean, it's just interesting. I think it all just, for me at least, it all just kind of falls back into that and thinking about even the different things. Cause I'm not super religious. So I'd never have, I haven't been for, you know, 10, 15 years now. And so like, that's not something that I re-engage with, but even at that level, like, I don't know for you, KJ, is it like, because of, an identity journey that you find yourself reapproaching it in a different way, or is it, can it, can it be divorced or removed from identity now, despite the fact that you've been on this journey uh, of identity, I guess. I don't know well, if that's the right way to ask the question, but I mean, uh, you're asking specifically around like the adoptee identity journey versus like the religious. Identity yeah, yeah. Yeah. Journey, Just how right? like, like, are they, can, can they be like separately, like separate, timelines essentially separate things that you tracks that you follow or are they intertwined in a way that can't really be separated um i think they're multiverses they they're parallel journeys and there's a lot of like bridging moments or bridging topics Mm. um like i think the church's response to covid and like public health safety the churches like specifically like the church where I was in, like I would hear people like leaders say, oh yeah, we want people to be safe. And also, you know, like we're keeping up with all the latest news and what's, what's like going to keep people the most safe, the most healthy. And also we're going to continue to hold services, which definitely flies in the face of safety and health because like you're having people gather together 
in an enclosed space, singing, which is a COVID super spreader, like, you know, all of these things. And you're giving them a poorer experience because like, there's a lot about church, whether it's communion, whether it's like greetings, whether, you know, whatever shared hymnals that like is very communal and is really great at spreading germs. So I was like, so I, I hear you say that you care about health and safety and also doing things that are the antithesis of that, you know, like you're not walking the talk. Uh, and then similarly, you know, be like, Oh yeah. You know, like I've, even if you say like, I believe all lives matter because that's what we're called to do to see all lives as equal as Christians, whatever. And I'm like, that may be true, but then also like your first response to someone who comes in, in, um, like a, uh, what's, Oh, what's the term? Like a mentally, uh, unstable space or someone who just looks for lack of a better term, kind of grimy, uh, who walks into our church. I understand that you may fear for your life, but is it not our calling to lay down our life for other people? Is it not our calling to like take care of those in need? Is it not our calling to do all this we can? And yet your first response is to like, Oh, well, we need to improve. Like we need to start a volunteer safety squad. We need to make sure that we have a police presence. We need to make sure all of these things. And I realized like at the time Springfield is not super religious, but it's not, super friendly to brown people and to black people to be like, hi, welcome in. We have a police officer. I'm like, ah, I don't really care to be here, you know? And that's like, so that's a whole thing that's just like optically was not great, but obviously that was happening along with, you know, the broader race conversations that were happening in 2020. Um, there is, and so I think that there was like a lot of that. And, and so there is, I think a, a somewhat divorceable, um, pathway between my religious identity and my adoptee identity but i felt it so much strongly because of who i was becoming um and versus who i was and where i saw the church going and and what that means for like well how the church would see me if they just met me versus i have the benefit of some history with them so like i'm cool quote unquote you know sure let me ask you this. Were you already do you think you would have went on that same journey had you not been doing like any of the show stuff? Like I feel like you were like race conversations were already like really picked up at that time anyways as when we started the show. Do you feel like for yourself you were already in that perspective kind of mindset shift at that time or do you feel like it got accelerated when we started the show and having more of these types of conversations? Or do you feel um, like, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I was just hearing you talk question. about it. It just made, it was just good like question. thinking yeah. about what, what was the catalyst? Like, it feels uh, like you would have been in that shift anyways, just I, based yeah. on what you just said, but mm -hmm. all things being the same <laughs> besides <laughs> maybe the podcast. Um, yeah. I think I would have still been on that journey. Um, but I think it's, it was like, I, I feel like I had specific, falling out with a church that was very separate to my understanding who I was as Asian American. Sure. Um, but there were, they were very close because of, um, like when the Atlanta shootings happened, that was really difficult when George Floyd and like, and, and everything after that happened, that was really difficult. But those to me are two very distinct moments in my experience of who I was becoming, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. So I think that like, one or the other could have happened or not happened. And I think that might've shifted some things, but like I was saying to the, this couple that I met the other night, like the church was always on this trajectory, like essentially 
it started in the 1940s with the rebranding of Christians as mm. evangelicals because like evangelicals essentially is a rebrand for neo-fundamentalists. And anytime like a fundamentalist group takes control and takes power, like it's always going to go the way it's been going, you know? Sure. And so I think that that's, but I didn't know that history, but I was like reading those books and learning that history. And then, you know, flash forward 18 months and I'm learning the history of Asian America and and doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's interesting to think about just because I've been thinking, I've been doing a lot of reflection on just like how different my life even could have been had we not, my Emily and I not sat down and watched Always Be My Maybe, which yeah. felt <laughs> like a catalyst, even uh-huh. though I was in the process of changing in a way that I don't think I was really aware of at the moment because of like what was going on with Black Lives Matter specifically, the pandemic specifically. And then we were moving and talking about like, you know, starting a family. So I was already, I think you had some, the right ingredients. Yeah. And and like, that's what I say. Like, it was like, I talk a lot about recently, like not, I'm not like a big believer in fate, but like when I look at my own journey, like there are fortuitous moments that are like, Mm -hmm. Had I even went, uh, had we watched another movie? Like, I don't even know the reason why we watched that movie. Like, it was just what was selected. And then something in there just clicked in my brain. Here's the other thing, though. But, like, the very next day, had I not clicked on Dear Asian Americans, like, would I be at this point? Had I not even, had I resonated even just slightly differently with that first episode, would I be, you know, at this point? And, like, how different could that would that have looked? Hello, multiverse. Mm, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, the multiverse and just the theory of all that, the stuff that comes out in films does make you think about key moments and key decisions that could have altering effects down the line. And would something else eventually get you there? I mean, isn't that one of the things they talk about in the, you know, in well, not spoiler alert, in one of the Lokis when they're <laughs> talking about, you know, key moments, things Bro, that have on. to happen. Um, but Come on, bro. <laughs> I mean, I've already I'm seen not it, spoiling it completely. I know it's but, fine, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, if I hadn't, um, you know, done that, uh, during Asian Americans, would I even been considering doing more podcasting because I was sure. barely into listening podcasts. That's uh, true. I do remember if, you talking about that. If Jerry were never born, would we, would the <laughs> yeah, us ever have gotten together, you know, or well, are we quantumly entangled? Would something else have, have spawned it? I mean, yeah, it's there's a lot of things that uh, branch off from key decisions. Uh, it's very, I don't know. You well, kind of wish about... that you could see a multiverse and go back <laughs> and see what would have happened if you hadn't done this. Yeah. Well, another thing I was talking about, too, is that, like, though just thinking about that scenario, like other scenarios, gives me kind of a greater appreciation for what I have right now and the here and now and the present. And because... Like, the reality is I can't live in the hypothetical. This was a conversation I had with Rick Allen when I was in Korea. It's just like, I can't, I don't even want to allow myself to try and, like, think about that life, really. Not that I can't, like, think about it and, like, hypothesize on it. But to live in the hypothetical, I think, is to do a disservice to the life that I actually live. You know, because I think... When, you, when I think about the multiverse, when I think about other timelines, I think it is really easy to get caught up in that thought process all the time and thinking, oh, mm-hmm. how can my life be better or worse? And this is a conversation I was having earlier today, too, is just like what I another thing that I've learned really, again, that has to go has to do with identity, but is also a little bit different is thinking about how 
not try to put like better or worse like labels on it just like different it's different like the life yeah. would have been different had i not been adopted my life would have been different not i can't say it would have been better i can't say it would have been worse i can hypothesize that for sure but at the end of the day i just know it would have been different and it's mm-hmm. like i think that kind of shift in my mindset of how i think about even my own story has given me again when it comes to community or thinking about other cultures and peoples a greater appreciation for just the world that we live in because like obviously there are experiences that could be classified as worse slavery for uh, uh, enslaved african families and peoples way worse than just not having had to go through that experience for sure and it's also like at the end of the day your experience is different than mine just how in within our even our own diasporas korean adoptees all three of our experiences are just different and it's mm-hmm. like we could ascribe a better or worse or how whatever kind of label that you want and 100% is probably valid in one form or fashion. And at the end of the day, thinking about it as just different gives me, I think, not only a greater appreciation of my own life, but also the folks that I come into contact with, like greater appreciation for what y'all have like experienced and went through and, and had to overcome or triumph with or whatever it might be. And so... I just, it's just, it's just interesting. It's and like, I, I totally agree. I think all of the uh, fictional narratives out there right now that deal in multiverse or other worlds or, you know, I did like that type of thing. It can't, you can't help, but kind of like think about it, like, and to transpose yourself onto there. But I think had I not went on this journey over the last three years, had these conversations with you, uh, with you both and the, with other people in the community, like, I think it would have been easier for me to get caught up in that, like, and to really like actually do the transposing and be like, Oh, I wish, or like we talked about a couple episodes ago, like the envy, like being Mm -hmm. envious of even the other lives I could have had. Like I've right at this moment in time, like I don't feel that towards the other alternate universe versions of myself out there. I'm just like, the other Patrick's in the world. Yeah. The other Patrick's (laughs) in the world, but I I'm just like, (laughs) I'm good with what I got here. And this is what I like what I'm invested in. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this is what I've been thinking about, too. Exactly how I feel when I play the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I could have won, but, you know. But I didn't. <laughs> I, it reminds me of, um, in high school, one of my teachers said, grief is not quantifiable. Mm. Like, you can't say someone's grief is worse than another's. And it, what you were talking about, like your appreciation for the here and now, it reminded me of like my favorite quote of all time from Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, all we have to do is decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Mm. And it's in the middle of Frodo being like, God, this sucks. Like I have this huge task and I have yeah. to, like I'm stuck in the mines of Moria and we don't know where to go. And I'm, have I, I've left the safety of home and I, I like, I have no idea what's coming ahead, you know, all, you know, and like, he just is like, I wish things didn't turn out the way that they did. And Gandalf was like, yeah, so do I, but that's not up to us to decide, you know, mm. like all we have is to play the, play the hand that we're dealt. And I think that that's why, why, uh, the concept of grief being unquantifiable is so true because like you could say like, Oh yeah, maybe this person's life, the, the moments that they hit in their lives from an outside perspective may look quote unquote better than another's. But for that person, were they truly better? Were they the same height as one that 
who is outside of that might experience or might see it as are the lows, the same lows that another person might see it as. And I think that that's really, really interesting and, and is so important in being able to give grace and give compassion. And it's been a real privilege, I think, for us to listen to so many stories and without any type of, I mean, obviously we have the framework of other stories, but for the moment of a guest or even the, one of the three of us, sharing about our lives, what we can do is just say like, in this moment, I hear how you feel. I hear how that's affecting you. I hear all those things. Um, and, I, and I see that and I appreciate you sharing that. And it does us no good to compare that to an adoptee who has a quote unquote better adoption experience or right. a quote unquote worse adoption experience. Because while the situations may or may not be better like from an objective outside perspective i guess the the pure postmodernism sense is like we can never know because it's always about what direction what perspective we're seeing those right. stories from you know yeah and i and i definitely agree with what you said too patrick about giving yourself kind of that that grace and acceptance of of the decisions that you make because having regret or envy of different outcomes is not good and not healthy and I think that is very important because I, I try to, I, I think back to things I've done and I go, oh, I regret doing this, but what would have happened if I had done that differently than things that I really like now might not have happened, you know? And so you can never dwell on those things. You just have to accept the things, the decisions that you make and try to make the best ones as you go through. Um, and uh, yeah, minimize, minimize the bad moments and Try to make the right decisions as much as possible, I guess. So, well, it's like your past decisions can inform yeah. what you do in the future. And like again, like the the whole dwelling thing is like that's when you get caught up in. Oh, I mm -hmm. wish I would have done this differently. And you can definitely do that for sure. I think regret is something that everybody experiences in one form or another. But or and I think that to your point, Nathan, like if like you can either wallow in regret and allow it to consume you and live in the hypothetical or you can i don't i don't i don't even want to say or because it makes it feel very binary but i guess that's the and, only way i'm thinking about it at the and you can like you can allow it to inform how you move forward in when you approach another decision like what you might mm -hmm. feel is pivotal even though at the end of the day this it's the small decisions that seem inconsequential that most likely have the profound effect again like watching yeah. always be my maybe seems like a really innocuous thing to do <laughs> that yeah. like i look back and i'm like hey had i never watched this movie on netflix like like and in that then it can go into like if randall park and ali wong decided to never make this movie like my life would have been <laughs> forever changed yeah so yeah. yeah it's just like i there are that's that's the appreciation is just like under like I'm learning and understanding now. And I think this is even built off of the conversations we've been having recently about my struggle with Korean culture and like really connecting is like, that's part of that, you know, kind of unknowable hypothetical thing. And like, I think I've been so caught up in it recently that I guess just in the last couple of days, last week or so, I've really been like trying to find myself in this more present and be more present because I got other shit going on too. And at the end of the day, like I can get caught up in that and I can also make the decision to be like, okay, how do I going to, how do I want to approach it moving forward? 
So yeah, it reminds me of we had a recent guest on who spent a lot of time in Korea, and I asked them, uh, you know, like, did you? have a moment where you sat on a park bench or you were navigating the subway and, and like get a glimpse into the window of who you could have been had you not been adopted or, you know, whatever else. And, and I think you and the guests rightly so were like, well, that's kind of like a false, like whatever, you know, mm. but it, it was like a thing that I asked that question because of how I used to think about, and maybe still do. Um, and and I guess that was like the the point of the original question was like what are those things that you're still unearthing? But like that was a, a a framework that I hadn't revisited since starting this journey. And I was like, sure. oh yeah, maybe that is a flawed concept. And I just like I've done so much work to essentially know myself, right? Um, that I just and I uncovered <laughs> in the moment of our interview. I was like, oh, I, I I need to do more work around this, you know. But we were talking about um you know thinking about you about to be a proper full-on dad nathan you already being a dad and me hopefully in the future you know having that happen like there are so many thoughts around raising kids and yet to me it seems like the best thing that i could do for a child is to know myself and be able to explain that to Mm. a kid because i want I want my kid, my future kid, to have the freedom to explore who they want to be. And while I might um, want to instill certain ideas, certain beliefs, certain ways of living, I don't know that I can really do that until I can like know that and experience that and have experienced that and can express that for myself. Like there's there's kind of that level of one of like, oh, I believe this. There's a level two of like, yeah, I believe it. And I've like can have talked about it and the, or I, and I've done it. And then level three is like, I've believed it, I have done it, and I can explain to someone else this is how, this is why, this is what, you know. Um, and I think that the more Sarah and I especially try to wrap around who we are, who we are becoming, um, hopefully that sets us up for uh having really enriching conversations with our kids, even at a young age, to think about how we want to kind of like guide them into becoming the full version of themselves as well. Mm. Yes. Here, here. The best way to spread Christmas instill, cheer. Yeah. <laughs> instill Christmas <laughs> cheer into your kids is to be Christmassy yourself. No, is, <laughs> is, is really to know yourself and be comfortable in what you do yourself because you never know what your kids are going to remember about you or take from you. And, it's just it's wiser to be the the best you can be uh at the time that they decide oh i like what dad's doing or you know what he's doing so um i i think about that constantly because i think about moments that i you know uh from my parents and things that they've done in the past and i remember these like key moments and i'm like why do i remember that little moment in time well, what what instilled that into my memory and i and i just only hope that when I do things and my kids take something away from me, that it's those good moments and and not the bad ones where I'm screaming at them for spilling <laughs> something or you know or things like that. So it's uh, it's tough, but like you said, it's you have to prepare and just be the best you can be for yourself, and and if, and hopefully it'll be you know also for them. So. Well, again, uh, the appreciation for what I'm going through right now and being like, I feel really lucky to be doing this now pre parenthood. Because, okay, so to take the back to the appreciation, like for folks in our community who 
like parenthood is the spur to then be like, oh, I need to like think about myself. That's or the I moment have a- of their <laughs> yeah. apocalypse. And then yeah. it's like, and then that's like, I have a lot of appreciation for those folks because I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And the, and like, you know, like if for me, it's, I, I just talked about this on the other podcast uh, about <laughs> my, as a parent, the like podcast that shall not be named. like, what do I want to like, what, like, outside of just even legacy like what do i want to give my kid and it's just like i want to be able to just model for them like what it looks like to be like accountable to myself and to like to know myself and be able to explain it and explain like how i got here and why so that the way they can be their own person because they're going to be their own human being anyways and like i can't dictate what they do or who they become all i can do is just be me and like show them that this is who i am and hopefully that is a kind of person that can be a good guide for wherever that they end up on the path. And so shout out to all the adoptees who became parents and then started doing identity stuff because that's a tough ass journey. And I feel like a conversation we could have, we've had on the show and we could have much more conversations about mm-hmm. because it's like, it's just, it's what it's as I get closer and closer, it just becomes more and more wild to me because I'm like, I'm sure. like, feel like I'm scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god these pieces are not fitting together like i need to put my put myself together and so it's yeah it's a lot so i appreciate y'all out there for sure oh <sighs> this is a good ass conversation well i was just thinking um <laughs> that it would be like as you're talking about like all i all i can do is know myself and give that to my kid I feel like there is a a secondary conversation about what it means to be part of the so-and-so family, the Relke, the Armstrong, Mm. the Nowak family. And Mm. I think that that is a really big other conversation, right? That on some level, probably we just, probably just generationally, we would have had Mm -hmm. some version of that conversation with our parents about like uh, what it means to be part of this family what it means, like whether that was an explicit conversation or something that you internalized, that was a conversation that was some train of thought that was happening. And now on the other side of parenthood, how how you pass that down, not just from a, a parent to child relationship, but generationally what that looks like and then what it means to be on top, adopted on top of that. But that's a conversation that we're going to have next time. So you're going to have to tune in for a later <laughs> yeah. episode. We're going to take a break. And when it. we come back, we're going to jump into a pouch coffee, Americano <laughs> product of Korea. Hooray. Let's take that break. Welcome back to the John Chi Show drink portion. When I say that, because we, as you already heard, are drinking something instead of eating something this time. So... Um, and I know it's late. And that was like the most normal <laughs> intro into this section that you've ever done. I oh, didn't, even, didn't even garner a chuckle. Didn't even garner a laugh. I almost wow. hit the laugh track because I was just like, <laughs> I don't know. I got to force it in. I got to pump it in. It was so normal. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a, a, a good thing or a bad thing. Do Am I going off brand? Should I be more crazy? It, is off, that it was saying? off brand for you. Should okay. I be more crazy? I should be some more crazy. Get this All coffee right. going. All right. Um, yeah, nothing says crazy like a poor Australian accent. Uh, so some coffee at uh, 6 p.m. Um, oh, so I'm glad you you kind of pronounced it for a second there, uh, KJ. You said uh, cantabile or something like that. Or how did you say that? Yeah. So uh, the the Korean says cantabile, 
Bileke, Bileke Americano. Okay. So Cantabile is like Italian. I don't know why they're like, I don't know. I think about like a. It's much better than I was going to pronounce it. I was going to pronounce it Cantabile. And I don't think that sounds very appetizing. <laughs> so. Sounds like Cantabile Star Wars. is especially as a direction in a smooth singing style. Mm. Cantabile. Okay. So let's hope this coffee is smooth then. It, I did go with the black Americano because I know you guys like your coffees black. So I was like, let's just Well, it was try clearly supposed to be up. cold because the graphic on the on front is, is a yeah. ice penguin. cubes and a penguin the- on an iceberg. It was a lounge chair with a little straw coming out the side of it. Don't insult the penguin by having it warm. It's a king oh. emperor penguin because he's got a little crown on his head. Mine is room temp. <laughs> it's close. Enough. I don't know if that's what that means, but uh, so this is made by Dongxiao Wellbeing Corporation, distributed by them. So, and I don't know anything else about it other than it has ten calories. So I'm gonna open it. First serving. And also, we have had I something. I think we have had something from this company before, but it wasn't coffee. It was like a uh, like a fruit tea. I oh, think. it smells good though. So it smells like um, when people get coffee beans and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got it." Smell how smells. Yeah. How smell, how smell, it well, it's like, in a pouch. Oh, it does. Okay, I'm gonna it go get very a straw chocolatey. real quick. Yeah, before I got a straw. I open this in a really stupid way, so <laughs> <laughs> I need the straw. Oh yeah, that's uh, it's not great when it's not cold. Um, hmm. Mm. Hmm. It's good. Good though. I like it. I think it's a smooth coffee. It's not. Um, it's not super bitter. It's definitely got chocolate tones. It does smell good. Yes, it does. I d- it does have chocolate tones. Yeah. Um. Oh, you have a straw too. Wait, is there a straw in here? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just Um I just got a glass, but I like it. I think it's pretty smooth. I mean, yeah. I would like it more if it was piping hot, to be honest. <laughs> in, in my instant <laughs> first thought was I wish this was hot. Uh, well, you're more like than welcome to warm it up, but nah. <clears throat> but the penguin might come for you at night. Uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's definitely a more balanced flavor than like a cold brew concentrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, it, for sure. It feels similar to that, like more similar to that, I think, um, where it would really shine with some some zhuzh. How Even though insane I prefer is it? black things. Huh? How insane is it that I have no idea what like a cold brew, cold coffee, anything even tastes like? I have no frame of reference. Wow. For it because I well, imagine it, like, literally it like almost this. never had it. <laughs> Only drink hot coffee. Only yeah. hot coffee. I would say this is similar, but uh, some like cold brews are, are more bitter. I feel like they're, I don't know. Well, that's like, what I mean. So, like, stronger um, feeling. You can, yeah. get, uh, you can get cold brew concentrates, which usually come in a glass jar that's like maybe the size of a kombucha bottle. Uh, I know Trader Joe sells them, but they're specifically meant to be watered down. But even yeah, watered down, like they still kind of hit yeah. like strong and like weird kind of. And then there's like Definitely. regular cold brew, which I think this tastes similar to, which is like what you uh, see in like one of those like 
uh, gallon-ish yeah. size, like Stoke bottles. That's um, what I get. That I think that Stoke. this yeah. uh, this tastes pretty pretty similar. But I think that there's something about cold brew black because of the way that it is. Um, it really wants for me. I feel like I, I really want like a creamer or something else. Like, and I think that that's why cold coffees are so popular as mixed drinks because mm. they like. They do, they, they have a really smooth body, but they like also kind of bring out this different type of bitterness at the end. Um, whereas like the hot, the heat of a, a hot black coffee maybe smooths that over some, you know. And that's coffee talk, coffee talk with Don Chisha. What was that? Brooklyn? I, don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a Cockney Brooklyn. It's an old, it's an old Saturday Night Live skit. With Mike Myers what? called Coffee Talk. So long. Yeah, I know <laughs> you guys don't get the reference. Talk. I know you guys I don't, don't get, get the reference because I don't watch SNL, but I understand well, was, both SNL and Mike Myers. We so just like, watched was, a bunch of the Timothy Chalamet SNL okay. skits. It was yesterday. SNL a long time ago. I know yeah. somebody's going to message me later and go, Yeah, you somebody, love Coffee Talk. Somebody. Somebody leave somebody. us a voicemail. Please. About Please. Jumping talk. into our DMs. Jump into the yes. DMs. It was always good stuff. Let's rate this. Coffee. It's cantabile. Ah, I like it. I'll start <laughs> four out of five. Uh, four and a half out of five, actually. Wow. I think it was a lot smoother than I expected it to be. Um, I I usually assume that some, I don't know, just something out of a pouch like this isn't going to taste very good unless it's got uh, fruit juice and Capri Sun in it. I don't know. Like, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I just pouch coffee, just like box wine i don't know it doesn't really do it for what's me what's the deal a- with pouch coffee <laughs> <laughs> okay now we're all doing accents <laughs> that was a jerry seinfeld yes what's the deal <laughs> but Who i like it coffee? i thought i thought it was actually really smooth i would i would definitely drink this i know i uh, i agree though i think a little zhuzh of of cream or something in it would would uh, smooth it out even more but i i could easily see myself drinking this whole thing black so um, for that, I give it a four and a half out of five. So. All right. Wait, you said four or four and a half? Four and a half. Oh, dang. So, but uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think I would give it a four out of five. I don't like that it comes in a pouch and is not inclusive of a straw. Mm. Um, like maybe that's because I'm Detentions. a child in the 90s and was raised on like Capri Sun Lunchables, but like uh, like Capri Sun and Lunchables has my, my, my lunch, yep. but... Like, I don't know. Actually, now that I think about that, I would really love to be able to, like, poke the straw through, drink the thing, fold it up, pretend like it's a cell phone. Like, that whole... Like, did you ever do that? Not pretend it was a cell phone. No. Cell phone? What? Okay, I mean, okay, this is... Cell phones weren't existing when I Elementary school KJ. (laughs) Elementary school KJ, you fold it up, right? And then you you keep the the straw in there, (laughs) fold it in half long ways, and then fold up, like, the bottom third. And it's like the old, like... It's like you, you the straw is your with antenna. The antenna. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know you you're put talking it up about and now. then yeah. So that's that's, funny. that's what I remember about Capri drinking Capri Sun as a kid. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was like, I, I miss that there's not a straw with the thing. Uh, it's not. I don't like that there's a bring your own straw situation. I also, um, you know, like how all of the Korean instant coffees that we have have a lot of like cream and sugar built in. I'd actually probably take about half of those packets and just dump it in. And like that would probably mix well and just be the right thing for me. Cause I feel like all the instant coffees, there's like little tiny brown speck 
specks of coffee and the rest of it is like cream and sugar so if you just like take like half of that and dump it in here it'd be like the perfect amount of like zhuzh it'd be the right flavor it'd still be great so overall it's pretty good but uh i'm gonna say yeah four out of five all right well um, the turtle the turtles thank you for not having straws the in turtles this, so are <laughs> turtles made or straws made out of turtles no no because you know Oh, plastic they straws. go out Trash, into the plastic. ocean and the turtles choke on the straw. Okay, I get you. Sure. I get you. Um, trigger warning for turtle endangerment. <laughs> um, I'm giving it a three. Not a cold coffee drinker. This was better than I expected it to be. Um, again, it's better than the pouches in- that we have, right? The dry ones. Instantly thought, I wish this was hot. Well, as soon as it touched my lips. Um, I also... Didn't it bypass your lips because you were drinking through a straw, though? Nope. I just I just <laughs> put the straw. Yeah. Roof, roof I made a like right mess like of my whole like, mouth. Yeah. My, I'm going to have to wash my microphone. It's just the tip of the straw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I So I guess when I think of cold coffee, sometimes I think about like when you've had a mug of coffee and it's sat and then that coffee gets cold. <laughs> that coffee is gross. <laughs> this is better than that. So that's why I'm giving it a three. I do wish that they came with a straw instead of having to have a straw. Because if I didn't have a straw, I wouldn't have thought to pour it in a cup like Nathan did. And I would have been furious at how yeah, I was Yeah, but again, I'll be geniuses like Nathan over here. <laughs> Gosh. I don't use my brain that much Showing when it comes his wits to coffee. Off. So three out of five, maybe three and a, I'll give it a three and a half. You know what? I'll be, I'll play nice and give it a three and a half. This is much better than I expected. So shout out Cantabile. Well, they, they also had other flavors like hazelnut. Uh, they had a sweet americano, um, and uh, and then they have tea flavors too. So Do they have like Speedway peach, Gas peach Station, tea, blueberry teas. <laughs> they no. have that but it is single serving, so these little pouches are small. You can buy them in larger boxes too. So if you guys ever see them in a store, that's look for the pouches. They're like. Uh, kind of like KJ said, they're like giant Capri Suns, but look for the pouch. Yeah. So when I think of Capri Sun, I think of orange slices and soccer practice. Okay. Yeah. So okay, I don't yeah. think I would be having a coffee at these soccer practices at that age instead, but uh, that would have been interesting. Capri Sun. I could go for a Capri Sun right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you want, we would love to hear from you, the listener. What, you what think your, about Capri Capri Sun Sun. Yeah, your Capri Sun experience was, and your, and your experience with Capri Sun. Did you fold it up after, like a cell phone, um, after you were done with it? We need to know. We need we need to run a poll on that. Uh, we could probably do that in the after party on Facebook. If you are still on Facebook and you follow us there, join Nathan in the John Chi Show after yeah. party. Um, you can also leave us a voicemail at 972-677-8867 with your specific Capri Spun, Capri Spun, Capri Sun experiences. You can also send us an email if you'd rather do the written word to johnchishow at gmail.com. Are we still, is that still? Okay. Johnchishow at gmail.com. Um, you can send us a DM about your Capri Sun choices at Show on all the social media platforms. Um, when you're done doing all of that, we'd love for you to visit our website, johnchyshow.com. There are a number of different ways that you can support us there, including merch items. We're looking for ways to get some new stuff up on the site right now. Um, other than that, we'd really love if you could leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Really appreciate that. 
And last but not least, if you want to follow us individually, you can do so at Patrick in the world at KJ Relke or at N Noak for Nathan, maybe just Nathan Noak on Facebook. As we said, he is manning the <laughs> after party. Just maybe. <laughs> just you can, maybe. You can tell me you've heard the Saturday Night Live coffee talk skit. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Nice. We got to talk about Saturday Night Live, too. Yeah, go um, right on his wall. <laughs> right on. Oh, that's what it is. For, is I'll it give you a topic. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think so, but. <laughs> I'll give you a topic. Roosevelt's Why are you talking deal like that? Was neither new nor deal. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, um, that was a good skit. Good skit. Good conversation. All right, coffee. Appreciate you all. Uh, appreciate <laughs> you all out there listening. Anything Thank else? Thank you. No? Don't uh, you. No, hey, but I will, <laughs> I will say, actually, that our our pending store item is aprons. So get okay. hyped. <laughs> get get hyped, hyped for our It aprons. might already be we out by the time left. this episode drops. It's true. We have some left from Khan. I know people messaged us about those. So We're yes, going to get them up aprons. there. All right, well, get your aprons and then take a picture and send it to us at any of those options that we've listed before. And then <laughs> oh, we'd love until, that. Yes, please do that. Until we receive those and until next week. John, John G. G. Hail! John G. Hail! John G. Hail! That was Again, really just, hot. Just hot. destroying the microphone. Hot. Yeah. I'm not that far. I have my gain all the way you're, down. You're, you are not that far. That is very true. <laughs> you are very what? close. I am? No, I'm not. I'm six You've inches. got the pop filter on. I don't know. I do. It's just like, it does come in very It's hot. because it's a condenser yeah. microphone, so it's uh, like very, very sensitive. 